2: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Yes, indeed, it is the Get Right on this Friday evening on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champions, 105.3 The Fan, Reginald Datatula, alongside fan phenom winner Blake Elliott. Talk to me, come on. Shout out to Lucy Alexander holding on, doing a little overtime. Appreciate you, my man. appreciate you all listening on Odyssey app, Twitch.tv slash Dallas and search 105 through the fan on YouTube. Uh shout out to everybody there. DMavs, Trent W, Tejano Boy, Swaggy Booty, ZGL, Viking, uh, Boss Lady T. I see all of you. Swaggy so uh, Booty don't miss one. That's no, been every no, time he's, he's, he's been on here. He's consistent. He's consistent. Uh, we appreciate whether you're consistent or just passing through, catching on. We always appreciate you for toloing, turning on, leaving it on on your on your home again of the Dallas Cowboys and the World Series champion, Texas Rangers. And the World Series. Yep. And that's yes right, hey, sir. 105 through the fan. Uh We've got it, we got a good show for you. We're here till eleven P.M. on this Friday night. Um, and thank thankful for you joining us. Um but of course, uh, we have to start with America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. Is this weekend they take on the Carolina Panthers? We've done enough talking about them all the way through the week. However, it's Friday, which is our last opportunity to talk about this game and thus Time to get some predictions in, right? Let's time do time it. to figure out what you expect to see in this game. Make sure to text into the truckwreck.com text line, 877 881 1053. What are you expecting to see in this game? And ultimately, we'll get to the, our predictions as the segment unfurls.
3: Yeah, so what I'm expecting to see in this game, if you saw on Twitter earlier today, the Panthers are going to be using a silent snap count, which is kind of an interesting take on the game. Mm-hmm. As their coach, Frank Wright, let us know that he is very aware that Cowboys. Uh, Fans travel well. They're going to be in Charlotte for that noon kickoff, so they're going to be there. And he wants to protect his young quarterback who hasn't had the best season so far. And if you tune in earlier, like I said, there's a little bit of context to it, not the best situation. But when you're playing against a top defense and a guy like Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence coming at you,
2: a silent snap count could only do right by them. Yeah, I mean... Although this is the tough thing about it. How many times have they utilized a silent snap? Yeah. <laughs> that's the only thing that I wonder about. Like, because I look, man, I that's smart to think ahead and understand this is a team that only came through. I mean, obviously, it's been like a quarter century at this point. However, like the Cowboys, Cowboys been around longer and they there's fans all over the place. And so, just like, and we were talking to John Mashota yesterday and yep, he mentioned we this, were. just like in Arizona. Where one of the this that's another one of those teams that was not an expansion but came through later. The Carolina Panthers, of course, are an expansion team or were at this point. Um, It still feels weird. It's been like a quarter century. So uh, to qualify that, but I think you understand what I mean. These places, there were fans of football before these teams got there. And it's fair to assume that the largest brand in football has some fans on top of the fact that Cowboys Nation, everywhere, Bubba. Everywhere. Everywhere, Bubba. Y'all don't don't miss, man. Just like our Tolos, y'all are everywhere. Absolutely. And so folks show up, and in these games, you can kind of take over that home field advantage. So I understand and I appreciate that Frank Reich was willing to be like, look, man, let's let's prepare for some level of success here. The problem is, uh, at least in one of these instances, we, I I know, me personally, I was interested by the idea that the injury, injury report, or sorry, the yep. um injured reserve for the Carolina Panthers, you had seen uh Brian Burns, the linebacker, and J.C. Horn, the defensive back, come off the IR this week, and I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Maybe yep. that'll make this game more interesting. Brian Burns will play. However, J.C. Horn was ruled out of this game along with Hayden Hurst, the tight end, C.J. Henderson, another DB, DB and Marquise Haynes. Um... Those are some of the players that I was anticipating maybe uh giving the Panthers any shot of making this more interesting. So I am I look man, I'm expecting some real uh, fireworks from your Cowboys in this game, especially when it comes to passing the football. Although I do think that you're going to see some running of the football cuz this the run stopping is not good for the Panthers.
3: Yeah, you hit it right on the nail. Um a lot of guys out and the guys that are out, like you said, are impactful guys. J.C. Horn, one of the guys that the Cowboys were looking at when they got a Micah Parsons mm-hmm. and Trayvon Diggs that year. A C.J. Henderson, who's been a solid corner for them. And then Hayden Hurst, one of the, other than Adam Thielen, comfort throws for Bryce Young yep. out of the lineup. So I'm going to read you who the starting corners are going to be going against a C.D. Lamb, a Brandon Cooks, and the rest of the game. Oh,
2: God, let's see if I know who any these people are.
3: Dante Jackson, respectable corner, sure. 7.2 PFF grade. Solid started all year. Troy Hill from the Rams, 56.4 PFF grade. Sounds familiar. And then the last one, my favorite, sounds like it's out of a movie. DiCaprio Boodle. Put in the tech, the truck wreck text line if you know who DiCaprio Boodle was until I just said that name. One of my favorite players of all time. One of my favorites. Use him in Madden every year. Mm -hmm, That's Um, right. He, those are the guys that are going to be trying to stop CeeDee Lamb from keeping this 10-catch, 150-yard game stretch going on.
2: Vaya con Dios, right? Like, I, I, I wish you the best, gentlemen, because, no, nah, that's going to be a really tough cir- circumstance. Like, I just don't know how those guys match up with these dudes. And one thing about the Panthers is they're going to run a lot of zone. Last week, the Giants ran a whole bunch of man, which I think – question me. I was so confused (laughs) why they were running man. That's I mean that's what they do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean that, that that's the way that they play defense, unfortunately for them. That bodes really well for the Dallas Cowboys because Dak Prescott has quite literally been the best quarterback throwing against man this year. Yep. Um I'm, and I, I think that when you went to man or when you saw that much man, what that also allowed is, I think that helped play into the Brandon Cooks breakout game as well. Yes. Because then it just became beat your man. And Brandon Cooks, one of the faster dudes in in this league at wide receiver. So you go, okay, Brandon Cooks beat your man, easy money, right? Like that Click. is something that we can do. And then all it takes is Dak Prescott I don't even know if I want to say a concerted effort, but, I mean, we saw it on literally the first play uh, from scrimmage for them. So a little bit of a concerted effort to get him the ball, and all of a sudden you see him put up 170-some yards. I do wonder if with that zone, if that still holds up. Because I know one of the things that we said that we'd like to be or that we would be encouraged by if it continues is getting the ball to Brandon Cooks. When I think of a zone cover or more zone coverage, I think of guys finding soft spots in the zones and sitting, and that kind of harkens to me of – CeeDee Lamb, of course, because he can do everything. And then that makes me think of Jake Ferguson Kirby. or the tight end. So I, I, I imagine that passing game. And, of course, that does not mean that's the end-all, be-all and that there's not going to be man instances and these guy, other guys can't go off. But when I think of zone... More often than not. I think more CeeDee Lamb, Jake Ferguson. So I, I I imagine those guys getting busy.
3: And then speaking back to the injury report, I th- I thought this was quite interesting. Kevontae Turpin's going to be back for us yep. Cowboys. That's right. Jordan Lewis is going to be back. And Hendershot back all... Full participants in practice, and then Tyron Smith, as we know, hasn't been practicing most of the year, but is
2: still going to be playing. Yeah, that's that's just veteran days. Which honestly, personally, I I'm love great it. With. He's played long enough in this league where it feels like he can jump in and play play left tackle at any given time. Just make sure he stays healthy because you can't afford to have him if. All right, I don't know. There's no there's no wood in the studio here, but like, assume that I'm knocking on wood. If you are to lose him, I'd much rather that happen in actual gameplay yep. than than practice. Rice. And
3: the fact that Tyron Smith cannot practice and still have the number one, not number two, three, top five, number one pass block grade of all tackles with an 86.1. And then you also have his boy, Tyler Smith, at left guard, who's been one of the best pass blockers, top Swung. five. So that left side of the line is just elite right now. Obviously, the right side we've had our had our ups and downs, our peaks and valleys, and that'll be something that the Cowboys front office looks at. But the Cowboys O line all year has been right around top ten, hovering seven, eight spots. So I think this is a good time. Team is finally all healthy for the most part. The guys that aren't out for the season, guys that are on the roster good time to get that running game going like we said earlier in the week so we'll see what kind of holes the
2: Cowboys can see in the Panthers defense as they can get back on track yeah that's the one for me is I'm I'm really hoping and anticipating that you see this running attack go up I I really am interested in seeing off of the Giants game and this courtesy of obviously our our very own Super Bowl winning scout Brian Broaddus I know that he was mentioning that you did see these this this offense try and get these guys to the outside a little bit more and on this very program we've talked about it over the last week or two where it's like it feels like they are trying to run these guys between the tackles a little bit more than they should and the holes just aren't opening up quite the way that you want uh obviously some of that is the some of that is tony pollard not necessarily seeing the blocks per se but some of that is the blocks aren't as good as they should be and particularly getting to the second level Well, one thing that it seemed like has gone well for this offense is running out to the outsides. And you can see that there's been some level of concerted effort getting them to the outside. So I'm I'm really, really super excited on the idea of maybe them working on getting these guys to the outside and hopefully seeing Tony Pollard with the addition of Rico Dowdle mixed in getting big yardage, hopefully on the outside.
3: And like you said, Jerry said earlier on this very show that he still sees that burst from Tony Pollard. He still sees that he feels fully confident in giving him those carries. But he also was honest in saying that Rico's balling as well, and he doesn't mind throwing him in a lineup and giving them both kind of touches around there. So I think as a Cowboys fan, you should feel confident. It doesn't really, unless you're playing fantasy football, it doesn't really matter if one guy gets 15, other guy gets 10. As long as the Cowboys' run game can pick up, which I think it will trend in the right direction, especially against a a not-great Panthers rush defense, this is the kind of game that you can kind of see that come to fruition, see what the play calling is, like Reggie just said. Hopefully some more outside zones, some sweeps, some, some different kind of motion back there rather than just running inside
2: zone in between the tackles. All right, man. What are you feeling when it comes to predictions on this game? Because I have a strong feeling you're going to say that the the Cowboys beat the Panthers here. What do we think of score-wise? So
3: I think it's easy to say Cowboys win, and I'm going to go that way. But I'm more interested um, on the score. So I was thinking in my head earlier, I was like 27-13, 27-17. But like I said earlier, with all those corners being out, the over unders have at 42 right now. I think they could easily put up another, I wanna say, I'm gonna say thirty-five to seventeen. Thirty five to seventeen. Cause just those corners being out, they're gonna put up numbers. Dak's gonna have his cap on in the fourth quarter. We're gonna see some Cooper rush, hopefully. I don't think this game is close. I think in the first quarter it might stay somewhat competitive and then they blow the doors
2: off in the second half. Uh, I believe the over under forty two and a half as I'm looking it up, ten and a half point favorites. Yeah, they're covering. <laughs> um, yeah, oh, you 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 feel confident oh, about feel, that. The corners are a big deal when you do not have guys to
3: cover those elite guys. They don't just have regular guys out there. They have CeeDee Lamb, who is tier one
2: out there, who's gonna eat up true D- DiCaprio Boodle. I knew I need to double check on that because like that doesn't <laughs> sound real because that's uh, and no no disrespect to Mr. Boodle Mr. Boodle, if that is indeed how your name is pronounced. Uh the, the numbers that came to mind for me 3813. I like it. Um uh, I thought I I do think that it's similarly to you, and I imagine this is why you came up with seventeen for the Panthers. I imagine that. They maybe find some things in what we would call garbage time yeah. late in the game. I wonder if that's going to be the case. But um, oof, I I wonder what it's going to look like for Bryce Young. And you know what, um, Larry, I don't know if you have this audio queued up. Uh, do you have any of this audio queued up? No, uh, I really was hoping to maybe play some of McCarthy from Sean and RJ because he had some interesting things to say. I was. Wanting to, you know, kind of get into some of why the Cowboys have been so past dependent, or dependent rather, of late. Like they've leaned a lot more to the past than they have the run. And I mean, some of that is obviously you just look at the fact that it has not been as su- successful for them. But like we mentioned throughout the course of this conversation, I'm really intrigued to see if that kind of shifts a little bit. Uh, let's look at the truckwreck.com text line as you guys send in your predictions for this game what from what the 682. They say, 45 to 7 Cowboys. Mm. Get this. $350 uh, air air yards of $350. Oh, he's case. going air yards. 350 on air yards, 100 yards on the ground, two defense two defensive t- TDs. Oh Ooh. my goodness.
3: That's that's reminiscent of week 1 and 2. Okay, so he's trying to get off early. I like what they're thinking right here. I do think that they could blow the doors out. There's no reason they couldn't. I just think the Panthers and McCarthy kind of touched on this in his press conference this week. They don't play the Panthers often. Last time they played them was 2021, October 3rd. So they don't have as in-depth of a look on this team, and they're playing a first-year quarterback. So it's not like they're playing the Giants or the Eagles where they have a bunch of film on Jalen Hurts. They play him twice a year. This is a team you play every couple of years, and they've never seen Bryce Young. So if the Panthers got off to an early start and maybe some cheap points, I wouldn't be
2: surprised. Uh, how about this? 40, uh, 682, another 682 says Cowboys win 40-10. to 10. Won't waste my time and skip this game. Oh, don't do that. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, I mean, I can't tell you what to do. Um, also, this uh, look—it's a—it's a, it's a one, the first of a three-game and twelve-day span. I want—I wonder, wonder if you're just like you know, I'm gonna save myself for Thanksgiving. We're gonna—we're gonna load up on the Thanksgiving. Uh, real quick, I do want to hit this McCarthy cut. This is from Sean and RJ on 105 through the fan. They get McCarthy every Friday I believe they also get them on Tuesdays as well so shout out to them Uh, but they asked him why uh, has this offense started to pass more than expected in more situations since the bye week
1: well I think just like every year you know your first four or five weeks you're you know it's it's part of that September football makeup I mean you you have uncommon looks you know especially if you're in technically a year one of an offense so the defense doesn't really know exactly what you're tendencies are and expectations and uh so you you do be you know you you do get to play with you know some open self scott opportunities so you you definitely have to take care of that but then after you get past weeks four and five and then you know and go back to september football you know, we we had a number of games where you know we had to cut out the fourth quarter of i think three of the four games because of the because of the type of games we were in so i think just staying in tune with yourself scott and and, and staying aggressive and, you know, watching the numbers, but at the end of the day, you know, we, we want to make sure we're attacking the defense from the time we get on the field. And, you know, and it's not just always just dictated based off of, you know, a pass is attack and a run is being conservative. So I think it's just really getting the ball distributed and playing behind this this offensive line.
2: Yeah, so I I found that interesting because it did feel like uh some of this uh, some of the explanation at least is the way I heard it was, you know, no, nah, this was always kind of the thing. We 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 plan and as the season unfurls, we kind of find different, find the ways to attack that's appropriate. I hope that the the plan of attack here is getting the ball on the ground like from the 6A2. Another one Tony's going to have 100 yards and a touchdown and I'd hopefully love that. we can witness a Deron Bland pick six. I, look, that'd be great to see Deron Bland continue uh taking the ball away. In this, And I wonder if Bryce Young will be confident enough to let those fly because it does seem like he prefers to hold the ball rather than let it fly in some of those instances. Speaking of Bland,
3: I, I think it's the popular opinion because he's leading the league in interceptions or it might be tied for it with five that he's just a guy that's a ball hawk. He's more than just that. He is the number one in passer rating allowed by all corners with a 34 passer rating allowed. Mm-hmm and he's the number one man corner, so he is doing his job even when he doesn't get a quote-unquote interception or pass deflection. He is making sure that guys, number one receivers, are not going off in games, and that's something that Trayvon Diggs would kind of ebbs and flows, we saw especially in that rookie year, and the next year he obviously turned it around, so I'm really excited to see the Deron Bland experiment keep growing and him grow into more than just a ball hawk corner, really being a Shutdown, lockdown—should I say, Revis Island type? Court. Oh wow, you're
2: doing a lot. I'm Revis feeling good. with But he, he has been fantastic in just his second season. Uh, more on the truckwreck.com text line from the eight one seven. They said all this Friday sounds pretty biased. They're going Carolina twenty-four to seventeen. Um, I'm guessing that that's uh, you're trying to do the reverse jinx. I appreciate you. That's awesome. From the from the eight one seven, they say thirty-one to ten. In favor of the Cowboys, they say Aubrey finally misses one. Otherwise, it's 34 to 10. I don't – look, man, Brandon Aubrey has been – money. And not only has he been money, he's been splitting the uprights down the middle. He doesn't even – see, that's my biggest thing
3: was we've gone through kickers with the Cowboys where even if they make it, you got to hold your breath. Oh, man, is this going to go in? Brandon Aubrey, since he missed that first extra point, has not missed a kick in the NFL. And I don't know if people know this. Before he came into the NFL, this man was a coder. For four years doing code, Cowboys saw his talent, picked him up, and he has, and he won NFC Special Teams Player of the Month. That's pretty good from a guy that was coding not too long ago.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, Apparently, he's coding how to put these footballs dead center through the uprights. And, of course, you can hear him and the rest of your Dallas Cowboys against the Carolina Panthers at noon right here on 105. Through the Fan. Coverage starts at 9 a.m., however, with uh, Eric Chiafalo, Brian brought on your Dallas Cowboys radio network. They'll obviously have Brad and Babe and Christy, like always. Mike McCarthy and Bobby Belt also will be included. And uh, Carolina Panthers play-by-play voice, uh, Anish Shroff. So all, the, all the things will be covered uh, starting from 9 a.m. right here on 105 through the fan, your home of the Dallas Cowboys. But coming up next, uh, also in the Metroplex, the Mavericks have had a fantastic start Ooh. to the season. But, you know, some people say maybe the schedule's a little soft. What can you maybe learn or what would we like to learn about this team as they're going to take on the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow? We'll talk about that next on 105 through the fan.
1: You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: It's the get right right here on your home of the Dallas Cowboys and World Series champion, Texas Rangers 105.3 The Fan. Reginald Datatula here with you sitting alongside the fan phenom, Blake Elliott. Talk to me. Shout out to Larry Flores on the ones and twos today. We appreciate you being with us. Right here, whether you're listening on the Odyssey app, twitch.tv slash FanCam or YouTube, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. You can always get us on Twitter. I am at Reg Atatula. He is at BlakeLive underscore underscore. At Larry D. Flores on Twitter to catch our man Larry as well. Uh watch a little bit of NBA basketball, of course. The crazy course is back, baby! They're back. This is actually not the worst one. I like the tones of this one. They're they're not as primary, a little softer. Yeah, it's another in-season tournament night. Uh I believe uh the fourth out of a uh, five total. Yeah. Correct, I believe. Um, and the one that you're mentioning, Blake, is a uh, Sacramento Kings versus the San Antonio Spurs. This the Spurs court. That's actually a nice, like turquoise blue with the yellow stripe down the middle. The stripe down the middle always gets me. I yeah, like the racing <laughs> stripe on the courts. Yeah, those those are fun. But uh, some NBA action going on. Your Dallas Mavericks not included. They are two and two in the one. And, sorry, they one they only and only two rather. One. I've already tried to give them the next win. It's okay. In their in season tournament, they're one and two rather in the in season tournament thus far. And so that likely is going to put them out of contention for the NBA Cup, and I'm sure everybody listening is really upset about that.
3: Yeah, that's uh, world-ending right there. What's
2: What's more important is that those two wins are only – or two of the three that they have this season, currently 9-3 and three through their first 12, which is good for second in the West. They're having a fantastic go of it early on, and the Mavs, I think, look – Good, right? I think any any reasonable person looks at these Mavs thus far, and they look good. In fact, Tim Cato and uh, Zach Lowe both put out pieces today that really praised the pace of this team, which is something that um, Jason Kidd talks about a lot or talked about the last few seasons. In fact, in previous seasons, you hadn't seen it come to fruition. Now, um, I, we saw them, you know, pushing the pace in Game One against San Antonio Spurs, and it started to wane a little bit. And I was like, oh, maybe it's another year where we talk about pace and it doesn't actually stick. It's stuck thus far, and so the Mavs in a good place. they obviously off tonight, but tomorrow they face off against a team that has championship aspirations, championship pedigree. They've won a championship in the last five years. It's the Milwaukee Bucks, and of course they've had a trade recently to get J- Damian Lillard, so they don't look exactly how we anticipate them looking at the end of the season. However, compared to the schedule thus far against the Mav- for the Mavs, this is going to be an interesting uh, test opportunity, so I'm interested. Uh, 877-881-1053 is the truckwreck.com text line. What are you hoping to learn about your Mavericks in this game and in the next four or five games as you're going to have more tests over the next week or two?
3: Yeah, I think Reg put it perfectly. It's We're early in the season, so one or two games, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Wizards, not that many people tuning in, don't matter as much. But if you're on the team, those games matter for building chemistry. And I say that because... The Bucs are going through what the Mavs went through last year. Unfortunately for the Mavs, they did it mid-season, so it was a lot harder. But you're seeing it is hard to acclimate two superstars to a team. These guys are used to being the guy on their team. Damian Lillard in Portland, Giannis obviously with the Bucs. Now they're on the same team. Do I think they will figure it out as most stars do? Yes. Have they figured it out yet? They have not. And the biggest problem has been letting go of Drew Holiday for the Bucs. They don't have that defensive kind of anchor. Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez, I would say, are probably not at their peak defensively. They're still good defensive pieces, but they're just not where you want them to be. The Mavs, however, though, have had a full offseason to really cultivate that Mm -hmm. pace, to cultivate that synergy within the two of them. And Kyrie and Luka's usage rates are both down this year as they were in comparison to last year. They're playing really well off of each other. And I know people love to point to Kyrie Irving's just a spot up shooter. He's not doing as well, not scoring as many points. So, therefore, Luca's he's a Robin to Luca. No, to win a championship, you got to have two guys, or honestly, you got to have a full team bought into their role. And Kyrie has done that better than anyone else. And so, the narrative going out that Kyrie is not a great locker room guy has been dying down of recently. And you've seen how he's just ingratiated himself in this team, been a great playmaker for this team. Assist numbers are up. He's actually been very active in the passing lanes on the defensive side of the ball, and making sure to get a Grant Williams, a Derrick Jones Jr. And don't get me started on Derrick Lively. So I think that this game will be very important to see how they match up against a team that's not below 500. As we saw when they played the Nuggets, not the greatest showing. So this will be the first test, or the second test, I should say, against a team with elite bigs, elite players, and we'll see if Derek Lively is really the real deal.
2: Yeah, uh, that's going to be a very interesting one. And how they match up with with someone like Giannis, who, I mean, obviously is one of one, but I think what he does represent is something that we've seen, that you saw, like you mentioned, uh, a couple of times, particularly when you see the um, Toronto Raptors is, some size, particularly on guys that can be on the wing. And length. And length. Yes. Yes. Size, length. I kind of use those interchangeably, but I shouldn't. You're right. Those are distinct things. And so, yeah, I, I'm interested in seeing that in particular. Um, you can't really say seeing w- uh, what a team who's good defensively, because this this Bucks team hasn't been their, what they had previously been. Somehow, some way, they're not. Um, however, I'd like to get, jump to the text line, the truckrec.com text line, as some people have mentioned um, here. Um, some of the things that they'd like to see. And from the 903, they mentioned a dude who's been red hot. Can you guess who I'm talking about? Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Timmy! It's say THJ playing well enough to get a good trade return or playing good enough to make the Mavs not want to trade him. And we've had this conversation a few times we did. over this week because I think that a lot of people are in this place thinking about it. Uh, Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavs mentioned he kind of thinks that you, have to, that you have to keep him if he continues to play at this level. And likelihood is he does because for one the idea that you trade him means that you lose that six-man player who is I mean coming in and he's averaging damn near the same amount of points as Kyrie is yep, although less. Kyrie is starting a little bit slow it seems like mm-hmm. uh still having that level of scoring punch as well as coming off the bench matters and I know that you could probably create some room for Jane Hardy which is my thought process I do have to acquiesce to the thought that Okay, you go and get someone else, and what you were just talking about, about acclimating another player to your system, takes time. If you go at the trade deadline, or maybe just a little bit sooner, you trade him, and maybe you add things that you desperately need, sure— how quickly can those things integrate because this team wants to be able to compete? And Reg hit it right on the point.
3: Acclimation and synergy is the biggest thing, especially for a team like the Mavs where we do have stars on the team. You have a Luka Doncic, a Kyrie Irving who want to get their touches and want to score and can score at will. So when you have guys that are bought into the system, a Dante Exum who doesn't get that many minutes every night but makes every minute count when he gets out there. He's a leader on the court. He pushes the pace. Been going back to pace. He's been one of the best at pushing the ball down the court. And what happens when your point guard is pushing the ball down the court? Everyone else has to follow. They got to get up. And who's better at that? Tim Hardaway, if you watch the Mavs games, he wants the ball. So what does he do? He is running up and down the court to get to his spots so that he can get his catch-and-shoot threes. And also, when you have a guy like Derek Lively on the floor – You're getting more shots. He's great at getting offensive rebounds and getting extra shots for a team. And offensive rebounds, the name of the game in this three and D game.
2: Yeah, man. Offensive rebounds are going to be huge, and defensive ones as well to end possessions and help uh, your defense solidify. This is an interesting text in from the truck or on the truckdirect.com text line from the eight one seven who mentions uh if you know as the question is what are you hoping to maybe see or learn in from your Mavs as they face off against the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow and they said hoping to see if Josh Green is really untouchable because that 37 minutes that he got in the last game with zero points ain't it and I think that's a great point I
3: think that's been if you were a Mavs fan or a Mavs speculator from the outside if there was one negative to pull out it's been Josh Green's lack thereof aggressiveness lack of scoring now I will add Great team player, great locker room guy, and he's played great defense. He's one of the more hustle guys. We saw him start the other night when we had Kyrie out of the lineup. So Jason Kidd still trusts him, as we saw 30-plus minutes. He's still getting playing time, so it's not like he's towards the end of the bench. But I think that's a good point. Is he going to be untouchable? Because in the offseason, he was kind of one of those guys who was like, should we trade him for another piece? Get another forward,
2: get another wing player, and and the idea of trading him seemed to be the answer. Seemed like the answer from the Mavs was consistently absolutely not. Yeah, they were trying to build. All of the uh, reports or rumors that we heard was that teams would want the likes of him or Jaden Hardy, and that those guys were not really touchable in their mind.
3: Yeah, both of those guys, when asked to be put in trade rumors, was we're not going to be moving them. We're building around them, and I was one was behind it because we saw the big jump from Josh Green from year one to year two. We saw him in year one be in the playoffs and scared to shoot the ball. And I even asked him in his exit interview, you know, what was kind of the reasoning behind that? And he was talking about building confidence. And then the year two when he started going off, being more aggressive, was in the starting lineup, I asked him what he built his confidence on. And he just said, in practice, I'm having plays run for me, different DHOs, different back screens, kind of running the offense. And so I I don't know if maybe Kyrie being there, Tim stepping into a different role, just less opportunity, and every confidence is everything in the NBA. When you're not getting those opportunities in practice, when you get in the game, you don't feel as confident, but it'll be interesting to see what the Mavs do with him in the future.
2: Yeah, man, uh, you definitely want to see confidence is really a, a very good word to use there, Blake. Um, yeah, man, seeing him come on the court, be confident in his role, and be able to, you know, execute, I think is, is really going to be a big thing. And I'm not, I, I wonder how much that shows up in a game like the Milwaukee Bucks, where I imagine you're going to be, more concerted uh, or maybe uh, more focused on trying to get the result as opposed to like working the rotation, per se. Uh, one thing I am interested in, and I'm not certain that it ends up in this place, but if you are in a place where this is a close game late, the idea of the ability to finish, Luka Doncic, we we trust in his ability to finish. Luke, uh, Kyrie Irving, we trust in his ability to be able to help when you're finishing. And it seems like they have figured out what that finishing is. I, I want to see what that finishing actually is against a really, really good basketball team. And it's particularly a really good basketball team with great finishers. That's the whole reason why you go get Dame, if you are, or the Milwaukee Bucks is to have a guy that you know can finish the game. And so maybe just selfishly, I'd love to see a game come down to the end um, really close and see Luka Doncic be able to finish it out across from Damian Lillard, who is incredible at finishing out games.
3: Yeah, I think you hit it right there. This will be a game where – Whether you win or lose, I'm going to be evaluating how the Mavs play throughout the game. What is their defensive effort? Are they pushing the ball? Can they score inside? Can they stop teams from getting rebounds? Because we've seen them do that against the maybe lower tier teams. This is a real test. I know the Bucs are kind of struggling right now, but they still have the talent. They still got a Brooke Lopez, a Giannis, a Bobby Portis. They're going to be rolling out there. Guys that are aggressive at the rim on the rebounding side. So it's going to be interesting to see if Derek Lively can really kind of Keep up his pace of being a defensive anchor, defensive rebounder, offensive rebounder. And I would love for this game to come down to the stretch. And I know it's probably more fun to see the Mavs maybe hit a game-winning shot. I want to see them on the defensive end stop Giannis and Damian on a final possession. That would be Oof. more telling than Luka hitting a crazy – we know we can do that. We know we can hit crazy shots. Same with Kyrie Irving and the rest of those guys. I want to see what they can do on the defensive end of the ball – late in the game.
2: Yeah, that that's, that's a real test, the idea of what that wall looks like because it seems like everybody builds a wall against Giannis, meaning showing like three bodies directly in front of him to make it harder for him to get to the rim. Um, can Derek Lively make sure that he doesn't get in foul trouble because that's the type of place where uh, Giannis loves putting that shoulder right in your chest Let's see how just how strong you are. So, like I mentioned, the Dallas Mavericks f- taking on the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee if I serve form at 7 p.m. tomorrow. And it's a it's a Dallas Ma- Maverick weekend as well, because it's back to back. They're back here Whoop. at the AAC on Sunday to face off against the Sacramento Kings, which are they're no slouches themselves. So I think we should get some get some more data along the lines of what these Mavs really are over the course of this weekend. It's to get right right here on 1053, the Fan Reginals at a Tula. Blake Elliott, Woo! the fan phenom, sending in with me. Coming up next, we'll take you around the NFL on 105 through the fan. We get it; attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix, but what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? So get right, right here on 105.3 The Fan. your home of the Dallas Cowboys and Texas Rangers, who won the World Series, mind you. Uh, Reginald Tula alongside fan phenom Blake Elliott. Talk to me. Larry Flores on the ones and twos. Thank you for rocking with us on this Friday night. Coming up in about 20 minutes, we'll go ahead and... Uh, ooh, had to... Take one of those. You saw those that, too. So, ooh, what happened? Uh we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, talk about the biggest need for each team heading into week 11 in the NFL. But right now, we'll go around the NFL discuss what's happening around the league. And of course, when you talk about that, the big news of the day, Joe Burrow. Joey B. Going to be out for the season for the Bengals. We saw that happen. Uh, and we talked about it last night on the get right because Thursday night football was happening. the The Ravens. And the Bengals had one of the one of the like tough Thursday night games of tough Thursday night games because a lot of players get injured in this one. Mark Andrews lost for the year, but also Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow will miss the rest of the season due to a wrist injury. Coach Zach Taylor confirmed it immediately after the game. Um, in it's a season-ending torn ligament in his wrist, um, and then of course the severity was revealed earlier today due to an MRI. It'll require a surgery. However, head coach Zach T- Zach Taylor said, quote, if Burrow were a normal human being, you'd worry about it, but he's not. He's wired differently. Ooh. Um and I guess I guess we're just in the era now where coaches give you the I'm built different. Um yep. so that's that's fun to see. Uh like what what was what caught you the most or what was the most um intriguing thing, I guess, for lack of a better term, about this particular injury? Like what what have you been thinking about?
3: So There's been like 15 different ways that I've looked at this. The one that catches me the most is how the injury was handled. Usually on NFL reports and injury reports, you know, if a guy was a full participant, not a full participant, limited participant in practice. Yeah. Joe Burrow was not on the injury report at all. There was no problems with Joe, Joey B. And then all of a sudden, if you were on Twitter last night, there was a video of him getting off of the bus with a brace on his hand. Yeah. And a lot of fans started to speculate. Why is there a brace? What's going on? I don't really know. And then the Bengals social media actually put the video as well. And it
2: was showed on the broadcast. Well, yeah, I mean, but before that, well, you know, once people started talking about the brace, um, the video was taken down. And I think that made it even more suspicious. Otherwise, it would have just kind of been things that people are saying. And then ultimately, you have this injury. And I think you mentioned it earlier. That It was non-contact, it yep. was, and it's a, a sprained you know, ligament in the wrist with, with no contact. That does not seem like something that happens just by itself. I think there was something that had to have happened during the week, and we just didn't know. And the bigger
3: problem with this is not disclosing it. Right, and You get into an ethics of was he playing through an injury that wasn't a big enough deal, and they didn't want to list it. But unfortunately, teams game plan based on who's on the injury report and people put money and bet on it based on who's on the injury report. It says that roughly 60%, percent six zero, of the public bets were on the Bengals covering the four-point spread. If you knew Burrow was going to be hurt, that number might have been a little bit lower. So the
2: fans are outraged, bettors are outraged all around sure. the world
3: not knowing about this injury.
2: Yeah, that's the tough thing is when it comes to the NFL, you have to, and this is the way that they've always operated, they you know, try to protect their partners when it comes to this and one of their big partners is this the sports betting industry and so with that being the case um you know there this is why the injury reports exist it's nice for us on the outside to know just kind of what's happening but it's for the folks that are inclined to try and bet and have that information and so with that being the case as you laid out very nicely the NFL is actually investigating the Bengals to see if they they were trying to hide Joe Burrow's injury now Joe Burrow doing uh doing talk to me talking the company line trying to make sure that uh it's very apparent that no the Bengals didn't do nothing wrong larry can you give me this audio please no not yet okay well uh joe burrow was asked about this uh the 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 brace or what have you and so um we'll get that it's in the folder you see it in there Um, Yeah, he was asked about this brace. And he's kind of told the company line because, as we mentioned, man, when it comes down to it, uh, I imagine the Bengals might be, you know, up for some level of, I don't know, fine or what have you if it's found out that there is wrongdoing when it comes to, you know, the dissemination of this information um, when it comes to injuries. But here's Joe Burrow and what he had to say after the game.
1: Going into
2: the game, what led to that? That was – this is a completely different – different thing. Um, you know, it's not uncommon
3: for guys to wear compression sleeves on plane because when you go up to that
2: altitude, you can, you know, things can swell up. I, you know, football, you have a lot of bumps and bruises. This is a, a completely new injury.
3: Mm, A lot of bumps and bruises, new injury. We didn't know there was an injury, Mr. Burrow. So I think Reggie put it perfectly Towing that line. Doesn't want to throw anyone under the bus, get anyone out of a job, but I'm no medical expert. I don't know if a compression sleeve on the the airplane for a couple-hour flight is normal procedure, but no one seemed to think that that was a brace when the video was leaked. And if that was just a normal procedure, Mr. Burrow, and it was just a compression sleeve, then why was it deleted by the social media team? So it's been just a fire of what's going on in Bengals camp, and it just gets quite worse of now our quarterback's hurt. Was he supposed to be on the injury report? Was he not? And then Zach Taylor in the postgame presser, end quote, said when asked about the injury, not that I'm aware of. This was the first thing I saw anything about it. So Zach Taylor and Joey B claiming that this injury was not happening before this game happened and it was caused during the game. Quite an interesting take. If you watch the game, he was not hit when this happened and he could not even throw a ball more than a yard on the sideline before he exited.
2: Now, uh, elsewhere around the NFL, we mentioned as uh, it seems like Ohio State or Ohio football teams in the pros having a little bit of issue when it comes to their starting quarterbacks. We mentioned Joe, Joe Burrow, Deshaun Watson, obviously out for the season. Um, Joe Flacco went Rocky. to the Browns and worked out for them, but he left without a deal. He's still the primary target when it comes to maybe adding a quarterback. Um, I know that they uh, the Browns worked out quite a few quarterbacks. Um, I don't know that we have names on all the other ones who did work out, but obviously notably former, you know, Baltimore Raven, Raven New York Flock. Jet. Um, I don't remember where else he played. Everywhere. Journeyman. That's right. Uh, Joe Flacco was the one that the Browns, uh, the notable one that the Browns worked out. And like I mentioned, still the lead or the primary target to maybe be signed, put on the, probably put on the uh, the practice squad. Obviously, Doran Thompson Robinson will be the starter for the Browns. Que- against the Question Pittsburgh for
3: series. you, Reg, if you're the, if you're the, browns and if you're the Bengals, do you chalk the season up or do you roll with your enroll your backup or do you try to go and get one of these guys because if you're the Bengals, you're zero and three versus your own conference or versus your own division you're at the bottom of your division you have a tough schedule coming up do you just say jake browning do your best and we'll figure out how to reconfigurate this team next year or you do the same as the browns and work out a joe flacco and some of these other guys
2: well i mean look when you have a backup you understand that he might play And so I think that they're uh, one of the things about it is that you had you that's probably your best option, to be honest, right? If you had if there was another quarterback out there right now that was a viable option, they'd be on a roster. Um, and RG3's out there, you've passed the trade deadline. So I, I wonder if, um, They'll. I mean, I'm sure they'll take a look at it and see if there's a better option out there. But it seems I imagine that they go out there and they they run out Jake Browning, which is tough because that really feels like a thanks for stopping by the booth moment. I can't imagine. We saw the ways in which just a hampered Joe Burrow was not nearly enough for this team. I. I mean, and no disrespect to Jake Browning, never started before. <laughs> it just. I just can't imagine that that's going to be a player that you lean on heavily. Understanding that they already have had the losses that you can kind of seem to stand, right? Obviously, any team, if you want to make the postseason, there's going to be some losses that you're like, look, man, losses happen. You can kind of deal with these as long as there's not too many. You've already had knocked those out because of the Joe Burrow earlier injuries with the calf and the games that you that you lost. You don't really have much wiggle room, and unfortunately, a guy like Jake Browning is going to need some wiggle room, I imagine. So that's tough for the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns, obviously, trying to work out... Um, I'm trying to work out Joe Flacco um but all elsewhere around the league i guess an uplifting uplifting story if Please. you care to view it this way um the children of former rams owner um Georgia Fontaine who uh, owned the rams uh, in Los Angeles and St. Louis so obviously the first in St. Louis um the her children have now established a fund to assist hall of famers uh or hall of fame player players in a time of need now i mentioned she owned the team or before she believed in helping to care for the whole player. Okay. And so she passed in 2008. Her, her dream before then was to build a retirement home for former players. Mm. And so earlier, yeah, earlier today, her children, Chip and Lucia Rosenblum established the Georgia Fontaine Rosenblum family assistance fund um, and made an initial seven figure contribution to help provide financial assistance to hall of fame and Chinese and their families in times of need. So a nice, a nice gesture by um, a former Rams ownership family. A, that's a great
3: little um, room to have. Imagine you're working at a nursing home and it's just Hall of Fame players left and right. And they're going have to have a trophy case with rings in there for their little display case in the lunchroom.
2: Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's a fantastic thing to do. I know that it's easy to think about the big numbers that are made right now. But especially the Hall of Fame and Chinese that have been in there for a while. Some of the older folks or their families, you know, they didn't make... They didn't make a generational money necessarily, and some of them, you know, maybe fall on hard times. So that's a lovely thing done by um, the Rosenblum and Fontaine family. And finally, before we close out on this around the NFL, how about the Eagles uh, releasing a player today? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you hear about this? Yep. Uh, the Eagles released a, a former first-round pick. In fact, it happens. Yeah, and that first-round pick hasn't played a game since 1994. Whew. Yeah. Um. So apparently, um. Bernard Williams, if you've heard of him, he was he was uh, announced. Oh, sorry. Yesterday, rather, he announced his release yesterday. He was a former first round pick on on, on the 94 um, in 1994. And so why was he just kind of still on the team in a way? Well, he wasn't on the roster necessarily, but he played one season in 95. And then he was suspended after suspended for six games in 1995 for marijuana possession. Um, So he later had a second positive test. And so he was suspended for the remainder of the 1995 season. My goodness. And then Williams decided he never applied for reinstatement. So he was technically still suspended by the NFL. And the Eagles have just kind of let that be until uh, yesterday where they decided, all right, I think it's fine to let the uh, 51-year-old man be released from the Philadelphia Eagles' uh, rights. Eagle flock moved different. I mean, Howie Roseman and them boys, hey, he's like, ah, there's this
3: one guy that's lingering around, 94? That was before I was even born, so he's been on the roster longer than I've been alive, so
2: shout-outs to him. Yeah, I imagine that he would if he was on the roster in a different capacity, he'd be much happier getting them paychecks, yeah. but um, shout-out to him regardless. That's how we go around the NFL right here on 105.3 The Fan. It's the get-right on 105.3 The Fan. Coming up next... Um, What's the biggest need for each team heading into week 11, including your Dallas Cowboys? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest
1: 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to
2: 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.